Welcome to Re-Energize. You join us today for the mid-project meeting of the ONFET Project Consortium. ONFET is the Enabling Future Horizon Tidal Project, which is a 20 million euro funded flagship tidal energy project from the Horizon 2020 Fund, which is answering the critical questions about how tidal power could transform the world's energy supply. I'm Vicky Coy, Project Manager for ONFET and a number of wave and tidal projects here at Boring Catapult. This episode of Re-Energize is all about the awesome power of an awesome force of nature, tidal energy. This is exactly what the ONFET project is about, showing that we can harness this energy effectively, cleanly and at a competitive price. With me today are three of the project consortium team members. Lisa Freiro is the lead mechanical engineer at Nova Innovation. Tiano Blouse-Thomas is a research associate in marine energy at the University of Edinburgh. And Alan Mortimer is the director of innovation at Wood Clean Energy. The ONFET project is enabling one of the world's largest tidal arrays to be built over the next four years. Lisa, what does the tidal array look like now? Well, the tidal array is up in Bloomall Sound, which is in Shetland. Um, it looks like, well, you don't really see any of it. It's underwater. Uh, so you're in a, a sound, so a narrowing between two islands and 20 odd metres underwater. There are three, what look like chunky wind turbines. Uh, they need to be chunkier because the water's denser than air. So they sit on, each has their own tripod. Uh, which is held down by just their own weight, so the gravity foundation, and then there are cables running to shore about a kilometre away. And the only thing you can see is uh, some housings on shore, which is where we send the electricity to the grid. So we've mentioned bringing in lessons from wind, but there are differences between wind energy and tidal energy as a resource. Can you explain a little bit about that, Lisa? Well, I'd say there's, there's two of the biggest differences. Uh, one is actually visual impact. Uh, so a tidal uh, site, you will generally not see anything. You can drive a boat over, you won't notice. Um, and the other aspect really is that it is, I think, unique really as a renewable energy form. It is predictable. Uh, you can forecast the tides hundreds of years in advance, should you wish. And there are three turbines on the array at the moment. How is ONFET going to build that out? So we've got the existing three turbines. There'll be an additional three um, locations put in with new turbines and slightly uh, newer models. And also during the project, we will actually rearrange what order those turbines sit in. And therefore, you can start to look at uh, how they interact. And Alan, one of the key objectives of the ONFET project is to reduce the cost of tidal energy by 40% over the life of the the five years of the project. Um, what sort of things will contribute to that cost reduction and how does that help the pathway to commercialisation? Contributors will really be quite a broad range of things, so reducing capex will be part of it um, and that will come through manufacturing learnings and also starting to get towards volume production. Also through operational costs reduction, so that's optimising the maintenance regime uh, and the, the efficiency of maintenance. Uh, also design because we will see design evolutions through this project which will improve productivity of the turbines, uh, reliability and availability as well. Uh, but finally, and quite importantly, reducing risk and uncertainty because that also feeds into the cost of energy equation. So this project, by reducing uncertainties and risk, will help also to reduce costs. So all of these will add up to contribute to the 40% reduction. And Tiana, 
Um, your part in the project is really looking at research and you've been looking at a model called DT Ocean. Can you tell us a bit about what DT Ocean is and how that again will contribute to the ONFET project? Yes, so DT Ocean is an open source tool for the design of ocean energy arrays and DT Ocean was developed in another European project to assist the industry growth and the tool basically optimizes array performance and provide cost-effect solutions. So there, I guess, all the kind of elements that Alan was talking about as well in terms of cost reduction, they're all built into the model. And how does the model actually help with optimization then? What sort of, you have those inputs, how does that, you know, what comes out of the model? Yeah, so the model basically assesses the economic, uh, which is basically the levelized cost of energy, and also has uh, reliability assessment and environmental assessment. So there's codes uh, behind the tools to optimize all these costs and reliability and per, uh, performance of the array. It's all the kind of key criteria. Yeah. And Tiana, I guess with DT Ocean, that's part of the modeling that you'll be looking at is helping to cite uh, the different positions of these turbines. How will using this real world data help you to improve the DT Ocean tool? Yeah, no, it's extremely important. Uh, this uh, UNFED project uh, to improve the T-Ocean tools because our work on UNFED project involves the application of the T-Ocean tool, uh, which has uh, already mentioned is an open source, so it's available for anyone who wants to download. And basically, is to use the T-Ocean to assist novel innovation to find an optimum array layout for their, their tidal farm. But what is extremely interesting as well is that Nova Innovation also provides a feedback from a developer perspective of how this tool could be improved. So improvements on DT Ocean will be covered in another European project, which is DT Ocean Plus, that will come to release a new and improved version of DT Ocean 1. So, um, Lisa, you mentioned as well, so that for the first time, um, turbines in this array will actually be moved around through the project, and that will be to look at different, I guess, the different effects of array configuration. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into the siting of tidal arrays, so how you choose where to put the tidal turbines? I mean, really what you're trying to do is make it as efficient as possible uh, to extract the resource you have. Assuming that you've already got a turbine design, it will be designed for a particular uh, band of, of uh, tidal flow speed. So you will start to look for features in the geography that force water to fit through a smaller gap. That accelerates the tidal flow and you find an appropriate speed site. Um, some of the other things that are very important are the depth of the water also the the nature of the seabed so a nice flat seabed is lovely to try and place things on you're also looking at access uh, infrastructure so you need to be able to get your electricity to shore so if it's a fairly short route to the nearest place on the grid that's all good Uh, also in terms of uh, servicing and maintenance obviously if there's good facilities nearby that's very helpful uh, we have the added, added benefit in Blowmore Sound as well, that although it's up in Shetland, it's actually a very sheltered site, so we don't have many issues with waves or high wind speeds generally when we're working there. We've seen tidal arrays been installed before, but and the same with wind turbines, but they generally stay in position, they don't get moved around. But in this project, we're actually going to be moving the turbines around. How come we can do that? We have a few benefits. As 
um, mentioned, we've got a nice flat seabed. We've, we're quite flexible in where we can put the turbines here. We use gravity-based foundations. There's no drilling. So it's very easy relative to most other um, technologies to be able to actually pick these foundations back up again and move them around. So normally it'd be prohibitively expensive to do this. Uh, with our small turbines and the gravity foundations, it's actually quite practical to do so. Uh, so what we can do here is actually look at the interactions between the turbines, so whether the wake of one turbine affects another. And it's, it's modelling that's been done theoretically, and uh, it's quite interesting both in, in wind as well as tidal. And we've got a unique opportunity here to be able to actually uh, validate these models that have been done and, and do real-world measurements by, by shuffling our turbines around in different orientations. And in terms of the reliability... Um and availability of the energy that can be extracted by tidal arrays. That can be increased significantly with best practice maintenance regimes. So in terms of operation and maintenance, um, what sort of things does that involve, Lisa? In general, it's it's fairly similar to a wind turbine or any other rotating machinery. Um, so in our case, what we do is actually bring the, the turbine body up to the surface and back to shore you open that up and all of the more delicate parts more important parts are inside of this shell kept out of the water and so we would look at doing fairly standard service things quite a lot of them you do in your car and um, whether that's changing filters or uh, servicing seal sets and bearings uh, so every few years you'd look to to pull the turbine out and and do this work and really it's trying to extend that period as long as possible and Alan, I guess that's a key part for um, commercialisation is improving reliability and yes. availability. What sort of lessons we mentioned before about um, things in the wind industry being brought through, but what else are we learning or that is helping to improve that reliability and availability? Uh, track record. So investor confidence comes from track record and uh, that's really the only way to get to the point where investors will put their money into these projects. Um, I think there's a key learning point from wind, <clears throat> which started small and then grew incrementally as it gained, it gained experience rather than going straight to the ultimate solution. Uh, and that's taken a period of about 20 years. We think it can be done more quickly with tidal uh, because it is picking up on some of the lessons from wind. But the Nova philosophy, I think, is the right one, which is to start relatively small with a relatively straightforward device. Uh, and then to learn as you go and use that learning to incrementally improve. And that, I think, will get most quickly, actually, to the optimal design for the industry. So in, in terms of um, graduates, what should they be keeping an eye on in terms of the, the opportunity for Tidal and working in Tidal in the future? Yeah, so from my experience, I came from the oil and gas sector with a structural integrity background and a work experience in South America, but I had passion for renewables. So first, I gained my, my skills on the oil and gas sector, and I also did a master's in sustainable energy system uh, with the Policy and Innovation Group at the University of Edinburgh, and I brought these skills that I gained before to this ocean energy industry. So it's been a remarkable experience so far, and I encourage everyone else who of course is interested to do the same. And Alan, in terms of working on a new frontier like tidal energy, you obviously have a wealth of experience in the sector and beyond. How exciting is it working on ONFET? 
Uh, it's tremendous because it's such a pivotal project uh, at an industry uh, which really is at a critical stage of development just now. So Unfet, I would say, is really important for the whole industry and uh, the learnings that come from it should build confidence that will help uh, the early deployment of the whole sector. Um, I think when we think about climate change now and the imperative to do action, if anything, it's, it's increasing to a new level and that means that other forms of renewables beyond wind and solar are going to become more and more important and so I think we will see even more pressure to develop resources that can be significant like tidal running into the hundreds of gigawatts globally uh, and therefore making a big big contribution to reduction in carbon emissions so I think because of that it's a very very exciting time and uh, that makes the ONFET project a very good one to be involved in. So you're obviously at the heart of the OMFET project in Nova Innovation and leading on a lot of the design. So what's it like working in such a pivotal project? You know, you're, you're putting in world firsts all the time. What's that like? It has been an amazing experience over the past few years. Um, so when I joined Nova Innovation, they were just in the process of designing and building the first turbines, so the first three that are now there. And it's such a small team, you have such a, a personal involvement with the design of the turbines, um, the sort of percentage of the turbine that you were actually directly part of is huge. And you're involved in everything in, when you're in a small team, from the idea all the way to literally controlling the buttons as, as this turbine's lowered down into the sea. And it does get you so involved and interested, um, as well as Alan said, it, it's such a exciting field to be in um, so to be so closely involved has been great and I always think if we as literally a handful of people could have put that array in then the potential as the industry grows is huge for Tidal. One of the things that struck me in working with the team is as you say you've been a small team you've grown everyone's had their you know, they're very invested in it. You've had your hands in all sorts of bits of the project. But also I think that in turn seems to have gone into the turbines themselves. So they each have they each have a name and they each have their own personalities. Can you tell us a wee bit about that as well? Yeah, so I don't know where the suggestion for names first came from, but the, the original uh, demonstrator that was produced by Nova when it was a, a pure startup uh, had a name. That one was called Morag. Um, and we now have Betty, Ailsa and Charlotte. I think Betty may well be uh, my boss's mum, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're all names with a personal connection in there somewhere. And as you say, it does get you very personally involved in them. Even the boat crews, when we're dealing with, the, with them, who are doing a new job every week, it's like, oh, it's Betty, I remember yeah. Betty. <laughs> so it does give you that link and that, that personal attachment. And I think particularly if you're working in a small community, uh, I think that could be particularly nice that there is something that people can get involved in and uh, particularly if you're doing uh, youth work or anything like that, then it's, it's, it's good to have personality to engineering. Yeah, so I guess the next three turbines that are going to be put into the array will have their own names that will be <laughs> agreed to the yet. <laughs> life of the project. Tiana, Lisa and Alan, thank you for taking part in today's Re-Energised podcast from Catapult. You can find more about the ONFET project by visiting www.onfet.eu and you can find out more news on offshore wind, wave and tidal power at ore.catapult.org.uk or by following us on Twitter at orecatapult.com.